The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're coming to you from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're really excited to be here with you on this Monday morning. We hope that you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day um, and uh, that you're looking forward to St. Patrick's Day now. I, I live holiday to holiday, don't you? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Um, in any case, uh, thrilled to be here with you this morning. We got a big, big show. So excited! You're gonna flip when you see uh, one of our guests that's gonna be on. And I don't, I don't know if she's bringing her cohort with her or not. Um, so we will see. But in any case, a uh, lot of different things that we're gonna be doing on the show here today. But I'm gonna pedal to the metal here. Um, that uh, Traven's showing you some of the different ways that you can connect with us here, including he just showed you my email. Um, I hope that you will check us out on our homepage, which is autism-live.com. It's right there for you on the screen. And you can watch all of the videos that we've done over the years, and you can search them by topic. You can also watch the live show there, and you can write in your comments whether the show is live or not. There's a little comment box at the bottom. If you click the little comment um, box it opens up and then you can type and hit enter it's entirely free it's entirely anonymous even i don't get to know who you are when you're making your comments right do put as much information as possible in there and i always say that i love it if you put in the biggest major city that's closest to you so that i can get a feel i can i I'm, I've, I've said before that i'm not good at geography but i can look it up i can i know how to google uh to see what kinds of resources might be available to you because i i wish it were different but it's not equal and even and I want to save you time right but our hope here always is that we can provide information and inspiration and we want to provide that to the larger autism community that means of course individuals who are on the autism spectrum but it also means all the people who care about them so you know if you're the person who's on the spectrum spectrum please know that you're you're the main reason why we do this show, but we want to include the people who care about you so that you get the resources that you so richly deserve, right? Uh, we're, we're not all going to, in this larger autism community, we're not all going to agree on really much, right? <laughs> right? But um, we are going to uh, agree about one thing, and that is that we care about individuals who are on the autism spectrum we want to help them to get the resources that they need the support that they need and that they be included and have the dignity uh, bestowed upon them that is theirs that was theirs always right 
So don't get me on a soapbox, but that's why we're here. All right. So uh, on, I also like to remind you uh, whenever we have a chance that we have a lot of experts that are here on the show and we love that you get to interact with them, but please don't be confused. I am not one of the experts. My, uh, the reason why I get to sit here is because I'm an autism mom, uh, very proud autism mom, and I'm a former teacher and I just wanna help you to get to the resources that you need, whatever they be. So I'm here with passion to help you Please reach out. Don't, don't make me guess because notice that I did not include in my area of expertise, I'm not a mind reader. I won't know what you need and want, but tell me and maybe I, can, maybe I can help you. But I'm willing to try, right? And it's free, you know. Uh, and we want to, you know, I, I, somebody wrote in the other day and said, you haven't been saying this much, Shannon, and it's my favorite thing when I say, we do this together. We hold hands together. And si se puede, right? We can do this. Yes, we can. All right. Um, so we like to start on Monday mornings with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, and we try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are those experts talking about? And like, why do they want us to learn these terms? What good is it to us? And I will tell you that what I learned over the years is that when you understand the jargon term, then you are more efficient, you save time, and you save money, and you get more done. And that is the reason to learn the jargon terms, right? Otherwise, they're just crazy making. And believe me, I've been made crazy by them once or twice. So we like to do this fun little segment. Uh, a lot of times we give you the actual definition and I make fun of them, and really that's my favorite part of it. Uh, but then we always give you the actual definition and we try to give you some sort of a way to grab a hold of and know why it might be important to you. I don't think we're gonna get much fun out of today's definition, but I think it's a really useful term for you to know. SLP. What on earth is that? Have we slipped into alphabet land? Yes, we have. Let's take a look at what our actual definition for SLP is. SLP is a speech and language pathologist. All right, great. I don't know about you, but the first time that somebody was talking about, I mean, I, I, I knew about kids being given speech at school, but when somebody said, you're SLP, and I was like, what? And then they said pathologist, and I was like, what on earth are we talking about? So let's take a look at what our working definition of a speech and language pathologist is. It's a person who works on speech production, articulation, and social communication. Um, no, it's not an OT person. <laughs> We've got we've got extra slides there. Oh my goodness, the the board's freaking out. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about. We're just sometimes we have gremlins here. Here, you guys, it's a live show, and so we roll with it, right? Um, I enjoy when we make th mistakes like that. So moving on. Um, but um, a speech and language pathologist. So let's just talk about it in terms of when we use it the most, which is during school if an individual is on the autism spectrum, right? I mean, there's lots of different ways that we talk about a speech and langu language pathologist, but for most of us on the autism spectrum, when there is funding for this, it is during the school years. A lot of times it is from the school district that they are the ones who are funding this, and your child is given, or you are given, a certain amount of time per week um, or, yeah, per week that, um, that you go and work with a speech and language pathologist. And 
you know, there's a wide, just like we talked the other day about OTs, um, there's a wide range of expertise here. There are some speech and language pathologists who I would follow wherever they went because they're brilliant, brilliant people, and they really have the ability to help us with our kiddos. Um, and then there are other speech and language pathologists that I'm not, an, uh, you know, I, I, when I hear parents and parents write in and go, Look, my, my child can talk now, but all my child can do is label things and we haven't gotten any further than that. And I'm just gonna cry foul and say, that's a speech and language pathologist who's only doing part of their job. Sometimes though, we have to push them. And if somebody has gotten to the point where they have, have the designation of a speech and language pathologist, it's because they've done a lot of hours towards expertise, towards the ability to be able to do this. So feel free to push them. Check and see if your person is an S LP, but if they are, push them because they have the ability to get your child to say and do a lot more things. Um, but look at that list there, working on speech production, the ability to actually speak, which means we're working on oral motor, um, which means they're going to be strengthening the tongue, they're going to be doing things, um, because there's a whole bunch of facial muscles that go into talking. And when you talk to an, a one and a half year old and they go, I was a mola right? And they are not able to, you know, because they don't have all of the ability to be able to form their words the way somebody who is an adult does, right? Because they didn't come out as a baby with the facial muscles prepared to be able to say oscillating sprinkler, right? <laughs> they can't do that as a baby. You have to work up towards that, right? But what happens if the child isn't speaking at one and a half? Well, then those muscles aren't tightening up, right? And then at two, they're not speaking and the muscles aren't tightening up. Now at three, we're helping to facilitate speech, but the muscles aren't there and they want to be understood and they're not getting to the reinforcer because even though they're working through their, their ability to be able to say the words and they, a three-year-old says, ah, blah, 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 and nobody understands what they're saying, so they don't get the cookie that they were asking for, right? So why would they make the effort? So we really need to be working on speech production, sometimes like a child might have apraxia. So we're working on speech production, and that's a whole host of other things, but an SLP can work on that. We're working on the articulation part of it, because if they cannot be understood when they ask for something, again, they don't get the reinforcer, which means why am I bothering to talk if I don't get what I want? right? But then there's this other piece that speech and language pathologists can work on, and a lot of really good ones are working on this, and that's the social communication. My son had the privilege of working with one of the best speech and language pathologists. I, she's retired now, and she has a set of books, and I keep trying to talk her into coming and being on the show. Um, but I loved, she did what a lot of uh, speech and language pathologists are doing, that they, she would work with my son one-on-one -on -one with some things so that they could work through some things. But then when he was a little bit better, she gave him the opportunity, she had something called Lunch Bunch. And I know many of you have this in your school. And it was an opportunity for my son during lunch to get together with some peers who had no speech problems and some peers who did have speech problems. And they would be at the same place together, but in a small group, facilitating 
facilitated by the SLP and they would eat their lunch together and work on social communication and sometimes she would say you know today's topic is you know turtles who wants to talk about turtles and you know Rebecca is there something that you would like to say to Billy about turtles and facilitate that social communication right um, uh, and, and I'm making the turtles up usually they talk about something happening at school but then after lunch they would play like a board game together and work on all that pragmatic speech and understanding each other and repairing conversation and oh all the stuff that leads to the good stuff so if you have a speech and language pathologist who's working with your 16 year old and just working on what is this it's a cup and that's it and it never goes more than that push ask them are you an SLP and then push 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 because there is more that they can be doing a, a good speech and language pathologist on a case working in, co in conjunction with good ABA can explode language in a child but notice the, the way I put together that in, equation a good speech and language path pathologist working with a strong ABA team explode language that really is you know the recipe for that too often I'll hear from parents and they're like, well, you know, we decided to go all in with the speech and language. And so we're doing four hours of speech and language pathology uh, with a speech and language pathologist a week. And, um, and, and this is how far we're getting. And, and I'm like, well, that's a lot for a speech and language pathologist, honest. But, you know, if you can get it and you can fund it, great. But if you're not doing it in conjunction with ABA, I think that you're really missing out. Good ABA, good speech and language pathologists work together. It's not only speech and language, right? And I really believe if you have someone who is... Um, is not learning. If your choice is you can either do ABA or do speech and language pathology, I'm going to tell you do ABA. And then later on you can catch up with the SLP because there's a lot of things with ABA that will, will help you to get to the place where you're more successful with the SLP. If it's an either or, do the ABA. But if you can do both together, if, if everybody's good. And we want the don't we? Okay, moving on. You've already seen it, but what is our question of the day for you? Uh, and, and I think that this is a fun question. It's one of the funnest ones we've had, I believe. What is your favorite tongue twister? Um, I'd love it if you guys would write in. I, um, I was doing these the other day. I, I'm, I'm an ex-theater uh, teacher, so I have tongue twisters for days. But my favorite one is the what a to-do to die today at a minute or two till two. A thing distinctly hard to say but harder still to do, for they'll beat a tattoo at a 20 till two, a rat a ta 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 tattoo and the dragon will come when he hears the drum at a minute or two till two today at a minute or two till two. That's my favorite one. Um, so write in, tell us what your favorite tongue twister is and hey, these can be made fun or they can be a thing that you get made fun of or they can be torture, right? But if you can get into the habit with your little kiddo, uh, they will find one that they like, right? Like my son loved rubber baby buggy bumpers and red leather, yellow leather. See, I can't even say it. He loved those. So we would do a tongue twister off. And I'm talking he was like seven, eight, nine, ten when we were doing this. Um, and, I, and we'd be in the car and I would say, okay, you know, let's uh, tongue twister fight. And so, uh, and we would challenge each other. And I would say, okay, toy boat three times. And, and so we would both try to say it. We'd laugh when we didn't get it right, right? And then it would be his turn and he would have to say one. And, and sometimes he made them up. Look, it's okay, folks. You're getting the muscles moving and our kids need caught to be caught up. So what's your favorite? Let's trade some of them, right? Maybe um, I'll, I'll see if I can find one of my 
old lists of all the, the I, you know, I have lists of tongue twisters. Maybe we'll put some of those up on uh, Facebook for you guys. But write in and tell us right now what your favorite tongue twister is. We'll check in later. Uh, okay, and then our topic of the week. Are you ready for this? Everybody, hold on. Um, but this is a good one, and I don't think we've ever done it before. It is repairing a conversation. Now, this is a lesson that's in skills, repairing a conversation, and you can find it in skills, skillsforautism.com. But I want you to stop and think about how often we need to do this, all of us, um, and how important of a lesson this would be to teach to a person on the autism spectrum. How many times have you been talking to someone and you say something to them, they say something and you're like, I don't know what just happened. Or are they, they start answering a question you didn't ask, right? Uh, I hate that and I'm not well behaved when people do that. I'll say, so, you know, did you put the fish in the refrigerator? And my son will tell me, um, I, you know, I, I had to make my bed. That didn't answer my question. Did you put the fish in the refrigerator? Well, I, I you know, I had to make my bed and then I got... So what, are you, what you're saying is you didn't put the fish in the refrigerator because you didn't make the bed? Is this, you know, like just answer the question, right? There's all this inference and implying and whatever, right? But that's repairing a conversation because so often somebody, if I say, did you put the fish in the refrigerator? And he says, I had to make my bed. And I infer from that that he must not have put the fish in the refrigerator. Sometimes I'm wrong. When you infer, sometimes you're wrong. So it's very important that we find all the different ways where we get off with a conversation and that we learn how to repair it. And sometimes we repair it by just asking a question. So when you said this, did you mean this? Just to clarify, are you saying this? Uh, right? This is important for us to learn and it is important for us to model this so that you know, our kiddos can see that it's totally possible that a, a conversation can go awry and all the different ways that we repair it. So we're going to be talking about this more this week. We may even see it come up on the show while I'm interviewing guests and I'll try to call it out when it happens and go, did you see that? We just repaired a conversation. Uh, okay. So we've got big guests for you here today. Uh, our first guest, special education attorney Bonnie Yates, is going to be joining us in just a minute, answering some of your questions. And then a little bit later on in the show, we have the amazing Lillian Carrier. She plays Drea on Everything's Going to Be Okay. And if you're not watching Everything's Going to Be Okay, I'm going to hold your hand for a second, and I'm going to tell you you're missing out. So uh, she's going to tell us, because I, I can never remember the, the network, but she's going to tell us what the network is, it is dullish. She's fabulous on the show, and she has something extra wonderful um, on the show. So uh, stick with us. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to be back with Bonnie Yates. She's going to be answering your questions. Welcome back, you guys. I am so thrilled to welcome Bonnie Yates. Uh, she's special education attorney extraordinaire, and she'll talk to us about because she's not she's not she's on location today. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the lamb today. Yeah. And you look fabulous. You look Thank like you. you look absolutely fabulous, and you look happy. Um, well, I'm a happy grandma, and I'm hiding out in a cafe in New York City because it's raining. Well, so, what a know. fabulous thing! We're thrilled. I love technology that we can join you in a cafe in New York City. Uh, what a wonderful thing! So, Bonnie, uh, tell us a little bit about the wonderful law firm that you work with. Uh, the wonderful law firm that I work with is Tolner Law Offices. We are an aid attorney firm. We're based in San Jose, El Segundo, and Irvine. And um, 
Bring it on. We like it all. Okay. We like, you know, we, we like all of your special ed problems. We don't like that you have them, but we like hearing about them and coming up with ways to help. And um, today we've got such a like smorgasbord menu of amazing questions from, pe from people. I don't know that we're going to get through all of them, but we'll try to answer the rest really soon because they were very um, topical questions. Absolutely. Um, and the concerns student absence. Yes, right? but first we have to give the disclaimer. God, I'm, I'm so like off my... <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You're at a cafe in New York. You don't have yeah. to be thinking about these things. That's my job. But give us the disclaimer. Thank you. The disclaimer is that we are answering your questions in a general way. Um, they're not a substitute for a consultation with a lawyer, which is what you should have if you have a specific problem. If you're in Northern or Southern California, you can contact us directly and we'll be happy to do the consultation with you. If you're in another state and you need to talk to an attorney, I would go to COPA, C-O-P-A-A.net and um, you can have access to attorneys um, from 50 states. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool is, as you know, there is New York is kind of a strong state for special education. There are a lot of um, special education schools, and there's a fair amount of special education attorneys. And tomorrow, if all goes well, I'm going to have lunch with Barbara Ebenstein, who is one of the longest practicing special education attorneys, and she's in New York. So if you have any New York listeners, I'm gathering my New York resources because I'm spending more time here and I want to know, you know, what people are doing on the, on the East Coast. And one of the questions even asked me, what do we think about the fact that parents in New York City are suing for ABA in the classroom? And my answer is, I think that's fantastic and I'm sure it's needed and I don't know anything about it so I'm going to ask Barbara about it tomorrow and I'll report back to you on that. We'd love to hear that. You know Bonnie, we are uh, Autism Live is now airs regularly every Friday afternoon on Bronxnet TV. So we have oh. we have more and more watchers who are um, from New York City. So every Friday at 5 o'clock on Bronx I, uh, I, I heart New York and not just because my grandson's here. Right. But, well, I, I was raised in New York, upstate New York, but I love the state of New York um, and spent, you know, went to undergrad there and spent, you know, most of my formative li years living in New York and lived in New York City for a while. So I'm all about New York. I heart New York too. All right. Well, I'm sending you like halal truck food. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Uh, okay, so let's jump into this first question here about absences, as you tease. I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. Uh, my 10-year-old son is sick a lot and has missed 24 days of school, but we work hard to get missed work completed. He has an IEP for school that notes his ADHD, autism level 2, and anxiety. My son eats very selective diet due to sensory issues. The school district attendance officer has called regarding these absences. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they are doing with provider notes for school, and I have sent a signed release of information. Can I get in trouble for these absences? Well, first of all, do you think she means by provider notes, like her speech or her other DIS services? I wasn't quite sure what she meant by I, um, 
I think that it's like when when she's gone to the doctor or when she's had a clinic or you know things that have been off campus but that are medically necessary and she sent a note to say we're we're absent or excused for this many days because the doctor does that right, um, right. that she has right. documented all of those things and she's like I don't know if those aren't I think the way I read it she's saying I don't know if those have not gotten to the truancy people uh, I think that's the correct interpretation okay first of all he needs an accommodation that says that you know because of his disability, he's going to have to miss school sometimes. And when he does, if there's a provision that makes it easy for mom to get the work and make up the work, I mean, mom's not, mom or dad gets the work so he can make up the work. Um, you can't be penalized by reason of your disability if your disability causes you to miss school. I mean, think about kids that are in home hospital, right? I mean... But what you, what you have is you have a concern on the part of the state that people are being kept out of school for the wrong reasons. And so um, in California, for example, if you're habitually truant, they actually turn your case over to the district attorney, and the district attorney will initiate um, a student attendance review board proceeding against you. And if the parents are found to be... Um, you know, in violation of the standard, um, they can be charged with a crime. Now, I think that probably doesn't happen very often. I think probably what happens instead is the parents are put on a better attendance protocol. But for this student who has documented health issues and disabilities, I think you have to get something written into the IEP and know if she's keeping him home because he's sick for legitimate reasons, she can't get into trouble about this, but it sounds as if, I mean, sometimes what happens is that the machine just sort of cranks on as it always does, and um, it doesn't take into account that there's actually something specific and different going on here that, that justifies the absences. Sounds like she's getting documentation, and as long as she has all her provider notes and stuff, she's in good shape. But I wouldn't wait for them to decide that that's the case. I would write like a comprehensive letter and send it to the principal or the assistant principal by a secure means and document what the 24 days are and ask him to please rectify the breakdowns in the system because in addition to having to deal with her child's health issues, now she's having to deal with accusations that she's keeping them out of school yeah. improperly. So that's what I think she needs to do. I love that. I heard something really interesting the other day that somebody was saying that the the, the word in, uh, I guess it's Mandarin, for crisis, it has crisis in it, but it also has another um, word in it that is opportunity. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that if you look at when things um, happen that are negative as an opportunity, I mean, mm -hmm. I, and I sort of look at this and I go, this would be unsettling to any parent to be like, oh, you know, like you said, now I got to deal with this. But it also seems to me like it's an opportunity for everybody to get clear and on the same page and that maybe it'll be a little bit easier for her to get that work. It, but she's got to say, I need an IEP. We need to address this. And, and I'm hoping she has notes of, uh, copies of all those notes on the times when she's brought the kiddo in to say, look, it's all here, it's all documented, um, but now let's get it into the IEP and what an opportunity that will be for this mom. I want to say one other thing that's in the category of unsolicited advice, which is that 
I've known of lots of children that have feeding problems due to sensory issues in autism. It, I've heard it described sometimes as, set, as uh, sensory, sometimes as cognitive rigidity. But I know that CARD invented one of the first feeding programs that deals with the whole issue of kind of food rigidity and for nutritional reasons and other reasons. If there's any way of introducing a program like that, yeah. um, that would seem important to me. Uh, absolutely. I would agree. You know, we have uh, a regular here on the show, Dr. Doreen Grambichet, the founder of CARD. And she happens to be an expert in food selectivity that in deals with sensory issues um, and is in a wealth, a wealth of knowledge, which is shared throughout card therapists. So thank you for reminding us about that, Bonnie. Shall I move on to the next question? Yes. Okay. Sure. Next question is, my son eloped from his school while under the care of a one-to-one. -one. It was 10 minutes before pickup, so I happened to be parked in the carpool lane. I saw my child run out of the school and toward the street. I got out of my car and, thank goodness, was able to stop him. The aide ran up out of breath apologizing. We had a meeting, and supposedly they were going to keep him safe, but I'm a mom. So I parked in front of the school the next day, all day. Uh, I would have probably done the same thing, gotta say. They called the police and said, I can't loiter. Can they do that and do I need to, what do I need to do to make sure my son is safe? Okay, so this is one of these things that's like, um, how should I pull out my hair, you know? <laughs> I mean, first yeah. of all, my, my sort of literal mind was like, well, what do the parking signs in front of school say? They probably don't say, like, you can't loiter here. Yeah. The school is trying to shift blame from themselves to the mom, and that's really unfair. They should be um, polite to her because she's cooperating with them in a situation where they're handling the situation. She needs to document that they are not managing his elopement, and she needs to ask for an emergency IEP, even though um, there's really no such thing as an emergency IEP. She should say that it's you know urgent that they meet because there's a real concern about his his safety and his life. The other thing she can do, you can check the board policies for your district. You can probably file a complaint, a uniform complaint, with the superintendent and um, describe how this is being mishandled. Also, your school board meets um, usually once a month. You can get put on the agenda, and you can talk to the school board about how this is being mishandled. And I would also go to the PTA. But um, if this mom is having to park herself in front of school to make sure that her student isn't going to be um, potentially life-endangered, this is a very bad situation. And I, I, what I would ask them is, well, what would you do if it were your child? Wouldn't you be doing the same thing? Yeah. They need to put themselves in her shoes, and let's sit down together and work out a way to deal with this elopement. There's always a way, as opposed to blame, blaming the mom and threatening her with, what, some parking infraction? I mean, it's, it's like, so ridiculous, it's almost insulting. Right. Uh, 
Bad call, district. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, okay, I think we've got time for one more here. Uh, my son with ASD has made tremendous progress thanks to intensive ABA. He was in TK, for those of you who don't know, that's transitional kindergarten, uh, kindergarten this year without an aide and, and did fine. We are about to go uh, into his IEP for first grade. It is not a triannual. What should we be asking for for accommodations? I'm always afraid I'm missing the thing that would help him because I don't know what it is. He is very smart, has some vocal stereotypy, and gets off task easily, but always manages to get his work done. He needs to work on keeping focus for longer periods of time and being social on the playground. So I heard vocal stereotypy, attention, and social. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, you can have accommodations for those things, but you might be better off having goals. You might be better off having an attending goal, a social skills goal that would then be backed up by um, curriculum. And then I'm not sure how they would target the vocal stereotypy, but that seems like it would be something that the behaviorist, the BCBA, and the speech and language specialist would want to collaborate on. So I would say make these things target areas and plan some kind of intervention for them that'll be useful. If you want to look at accommodations, I mean, you can just Google, you know, accommodations for, and then you put, you know, the age of your child and the disability, and believe it or not, the internet will spit out a million accommodations. The problem with the accommodations is, unlike services, the accommodations are not really assigned to a particular responsible person and there's a good chance a lot of the time that they don't get implemented because they're not really measured, we don't collect data on them, so I'd be a little reluctant to assume that accommodations could solve the problem. What do you think, Shannon? You know, I mean, I love that you're putting it in this way because I didn't, I don't know that I've structured my brain in this way because you're saying, because, and I, it's that way on the IEP, but I don't know that I've ever thought about it this way, that there are um, the, the goals, right, and there are the accommodations, and as you said, the goals are well-defined and somebody's responsible for doing them. I think the thing is that parents often don't feel, because we go to the IEP and they spit out the goals as if they are in concrete and that we can't add or detract from them, and then they say to us, did you want to add anything on the accommodations page? So, mm -hmm. and what I, and what I, and I, so I understood completely why the parent was wording it this way, but when you said it the other way, I was like, gosh, we don't often think about the fact that we can have input into the goals which are measurable, we're so afraid that we're going to miss something on the accommodations page because that's how the school leads us. Right. Well, so here's um, the other thing. Every goal is supposed to have a baseline. The baseline has to be measurable for the goal to be meaningful. If you don't know where you're starting out, you can't measure progress in a year's time. And, you know, I mean, I think accommodations are fine, but if something's an important problem, it needs to be a goal. It seems to me that the verbal stereotypy is a problem because it makes him stand out. The attention's a problem because he's not going to do as well on his work. And the and wasn't the other like social skills on yeah on, on the, the playground? playground yeah, mm -hmm. we want him to have friends. So just accommodating his environment or modifying his environment 
isn't going to move him along in the way that we want him to move along, and that's why I'm suggesting a goal. I and think you're right. Always entitled to have input into the goals. The goals are very important. They drive services, and the parents have a unique view of their child that needs to be incorporated into the larger process because they aren't educators, but they know their child very well. Yes. And I will say this, that in the past, not that long ago, you did a show or a series of shows with us where you went through what some accommodations could be for dyslexia. And it was so eye-opening about all the different things, the accommodations that are available. So if people are like, oh, I'm afraid I'm missing out in terms of accommodations, I would encourage you to go back and watch those episodes with Bonnie at, where she goes through a really long list of accommodations that I was like, I didn't know you could ask for that. Um, and that was really helpful. But I think in this instance, and, and the things that they quoted, you're absolutely right. These are things that have to be built in as a goal. Maybe they want to talk to their ABA provider. I always encourage people to look at skills. Skills has, um, you take an assessment for your child, and then it tells you, it basically tells you, here are the things that this child should be working on, and all of those things have an IEP benchmark in with them. And even if you picked five of them and said, these are age appropriate and skill appropriate for my child, are these included in my IEP? You'd be so far ahead of the game. Well, so, you know, I know we're running out of time, but I, I wanted to say districts oftentimes will say, like, well, we're going to do that anyway, even though it's not written into the IEP, but if it's not, there's no accountability. And I've had former school people, I work with one, she's an advocate now, she used to be a teacher, and she said, they're never going to do that consult that they write into the IEP, and they don't care about the, I mean, I'm sure they care, that's not fair, but they aren't going to necessarily be beholden to the accommodations because they feel like nobody's going to really be able to tell whether they were ever done or not. Well, there's no accountability. There's no account built-in accountability, so of course not. All right, do you have time for one more? I'm going to squeeze in one more if you've got time. Okay. So, because I really like this question, uh, who really, all right, who really decides what is FAPE? from the school end. I want to know because I really like our principal, but she's always telling me her hands are tied and it's all the district. And this person says, am I being played? What do you think, Bonnie? Um, well, let's take LA Unified. Any major decision about services is made by um, functionaries that are higher up and outside of the IEP meeting. And LAUSD does things like Let's have our campaign be any kid that has full-time classroom autism. We're going to reevaluate that program every year and take it away. The principal or the AP has a certain amount of discretion in terms of what they can give, but I think they're basically given parameters, and if they want to go outside of those parameters, they have to go outside the IEP team and get permission, which is illegal because the IEP team is supposed to be staffed by people that actually have decision-making authority. Um, if the teach, if the principal's really wonderful, why doesn't she tell mom who she needs to talk to instead? You okay. know, like uh, if 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 her hands are tied, who's tying them? Where should mom go next? Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's, let's hold her feet to the fire and see what she says if we start trying to, to pin her down. I like and that. Also, also t tell this principal that the IEP team is supposed to be you know, invested with the power to offer what's appropriate for the student. So if, if she's telling mom the district's tying her hands, there's something wrong with that, and mom needs to make a state complaint to the 
Department of Education and have them come and investigate why the IEP team isn't empowered to offer what the student needs. Amen to that. You know, in, in, the, in the California booklet, Special Education Rights and Responsibilities by, I think it's Disability Rights, there's a whole section in there on how you file a state complaint. Districts don't like them. They don't want people from the state coming down and investigating because God knows what rock they might look under by accident and then a lot of trouble will ensue. Yeah. So the state complaint is a remedy for parents it doesn't cost a lot of money, doesn't have to cost any money, and districts don't like them. They even don't like it when I say things like, you're, you're late in getting me records, so I'm going to file a state complaint. That usually gets me the records because they just don't want the oversight. Right. So consider that as a possibility. Okay. I love it. Bonnie, thank you so much for taking the time, even while you're in New York, uh, working on other things. And next week, maybe we'll have an opportunity to have you answer the question about what do you think about, uh, and, and you'll have a bigger answer about the parents in New York City who are suing for ABA. Uh, tell us again about Tolner Law Firm. Tolner Law Offices, boy, I am so slow today. Um, if you have questions about Tolner Law Offices, I can be reached at... 310-245-1968. My email address is bates at tonerlawoffices.com. And you can look us up on, online. And honestly, at the moment, I can't even remember what our, our, uh, our website is. It's okay. We've got it up there for you. Sure. Uh, look at that. Look at us. Wow. We're, we're on right. top of it. Uh, okay. Thank you so much. Enjoy your visit. Give everybody our love. All right. I'll send you, Take I'll send you a pic. My I would love that. You know I All would right. love that. All, All right, right, have fun. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, so that was the amazing Bonnie Yates. And for those of you who've been watching going, wait a second, you promised us Lillian Carrier. Um, well, I was informed that I was wrong. Lillian's with us on Thursday, but she is going to be here with us on Thursday. And I don't know, I don't know, but uh, Lillian has an assistance dog who is just beautiful, and maybe she'll be bringing her doggie with her. With, and the dog is a, a star on television as well, on Everything's Gonna Be Okay. Great show, you need to be watching it. Um, okay, we're gonna take a short break, and then we're gonna come back to close out the show. Stick with us. Welcome back. We have a couple of minutes to talk about our topic of the week, which is repairing a conversation. So first of all, I want to remind you guys that if you go to skillsforautism.com, skills is this, we brought it up a couple of times during the show, skills is a tool. And it's a bit, it's, it's more than that, it's a toolbox. It's, uh, there are all these different things that you can do in there. And I always say, I think people get so overwhelmed when they go into skills because it's like walking into a mall and, and if you don't know which stores to go in, it can feel overwhelming, right? But when you go into the mall, you don't go into every store, do you? Usually you go into the mall and you're like, well, I want to go into this store, so I'm going to head towards that store. But on the way, if you see something interesting, you can stop and look at it, right? Let's think of skills that way. But if you see something that overwhelms you, keep walking. It, it's probably that you don't need that right now and you can come back to it another time. You can also call the folks at Skills if you, if you see something that you're like, well, I kind of like that, but that's overwhelming to me, but I think I might need it and I don't know how to use it. Call them and ask them. Or you can write to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com and say, Shannon, I was in Skills and I looked at this and I don't know what this is. Do I need this or not? And I don't want to go through the whole thing. And I'll write you back and go, this is what 
this does, right? Or I'll address it here on the show. You can write into me right now on the show and I'll address it for you, right? I happen to be one of Skill's biggest fans for a very specific reason. And that is that when, when I, I mean, let's face it, when my kid was diagnosed with autism, I was at sea. I was lost. I was like, I, you know, and I'm going to mess this up was the thing that would go through my head. I'm going to mess this up and I'm not going to be able to do this. And I'm not, I'm not smart enough about this. I don't know what I'm going to do, right? And then we found CARD and CARD found us and my son started to have this amazing therapy. And I saw that he was learning things and I, all I could think was everybody should have the right to this. Everyone should have the right to this. And where before I would pace the floor at night and be like, you know, please help me, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, then I knew what to do, right? But then my sometimes pacing uh, the floor was I was like, what about, and it always for me, I don't know why, was what about the mom in Kansas who doesn't live where I live, who doesn't have the funding for what I have, who doesn't have a card office near her? It was always a mom in Kansas. I don't know why. Um, but I would, I would say, what about her? She's walking the floor too, and she's just like me, and her little boy is, see, I get emotional. But I thought, her little boy is just like mine. So what, she just loses out? She just doesn't get? That can't be right. That can't be fair. That isn't right. Because that could have been me if I was just living in Kansas, you know? And the thought of that squished my heart hard. And I kept saying, there's got to be an answer for that. There's got to be an answer for that. And the very first time that I met Dr. Grand Pichet, I was invited, I was hosting a radio show called Everyday Autism Miracles, and I'd interviewed her on the radio, but I'd never met her, right? And I was invited to come to CARD headquarters um, for this meeting, because she was gonna unveil this thing, and I didn't know anything about it, and listen, I tried to get out of it so hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to this meeting. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't want to be there. And when I got to card headquarters, there were all these big fancy cars. And I was like, what is happening? You know, and I was driving my little Saturn that I didn't have paid off. Let's be real here, right? And there were people who had BMWs. And I was like, who are these people that I'm here with? And I got put into a, a, a conference room with a long conference table. And they said, this is Dr. Grand Pichet. And, and I was like, well, it's so nice to meet her. But, uh, you know, first of all, I'm about three feet taller than she is. I'm, I'm speaking hyperbolically, but I was like, this, this powerhouse of a woman is actually, you know, she's, she's very petite and I am not right. So that was the first thing that I noticed. And there were all these other people in this conference room and she had everybody go around the room and introduce themselves. And my credential was that I was hosting this little radio show, but like her lawyers were there. Uh, Bonnie Yates was there. Uh, Nancy Oswald Jackson, who I'd not met before was there. And she, you know, Nancy had been this big television executive. There were people that I recognized from television. This was a who's who of autism moms, really, and little old me. And I was like, one of these things doesn't belong, right? Um, but Dr. Grampichet unveiled skills to us. And it was clear to me in the first five minutes, I was like, this is the thing that I have been praying for, that that mom in Kansas now has a way to get access, not the complete access, because she doesn't have the therapist, but if she has a mind to, you know, they've given, they, they have a, a way to train therapists, an online tool to train the therapist to be able to do the curriculum, she could do it. It's gonna be harder, but at least she's got access. If she's got the internet, she's got access. And that, for me, had me so excited because it was the it was the answer right it was an answer um, and skills over the years has has grown and, and it does a whole lot of things for a whole lot of people um, 
So uh, you can you can go in and um, I don't know if they're still doing the free trial. There's a new person who's running skills and I've got a meeting set up with him to talk about whether they're still doing that. But call them and nag them and say, Shannon said to give me a free trial for 14 days that you used to do that. Call them, nag them um, and say that I sent them. They'll appreciate that They'll they'll because they know I'm on them all the time because I'm their biggest fan, right? Um, but the thing about it is, is that, so first of all, there's an assessment and you take the, the assessment as a parent and by the way they, they did a study on it to see if parents taking the assessment was as effective as having you know a professional take the assessment and guess what we are we're just as effective um, and it's a long assessment right and, and it could be overwhelming to take it but I got to tell you it's one of the biggest richest investments in your child that you can do it's gonna you're not gonna be able to do it overnight um, and I've been saying for a while that I want to do a whole video about how to take the assessment because uh, you know like go and get the reinforcer that's important to you whether it's you know the bubble bath and put the bubble bath stuff there at the table in front of you for some people it's a bottle of wine you know I'm not a wine drinker but you know maybe it's a piece of cheesecake and it sits there in front of you and just set yourself a goal of I'm gonna do 10% of the cognition curriculum today and when I hit that 10% and it shows you there's a little yellow bar graph for the cognition curriculum and when you, and it'll say you know uh, you were at zero now you're at ten percent or you were at twenty six percent now you're at thirty six percent I've done my ten percent for the day I get my reinforcer right and as you go through the questions um, if you don't answer if you don't understand the question it'll say does your child do this and a lot of times you go I don't know and I don't even understand what that means there is a thing that you can push for an example and they'll tell you I tell parents don't even worry about that if you don't understand the question and you're not sure if you're if you're even if you understand the question and you're not sure, but you're not sure if they uh, do it 100% of the time, just put no, that your child can't do it because that, it means that they need to work on that, right? Um, that's all, you just push no. And sometimes when you push no, it'll take away a bunch of the other questions because if your child can't do this one, then they're not gonna be able to do the ones below because it's, it's coded that way, right? So you just gotta do 10% a day and you will find that in a week and a half-ish or so, that you'll have finished enough of it that you're excited to just get the whole thing done, right? But there's eight different curricular areas. But when you're done, you have a map of where your child is right now in this period of time. It will tell you, it, just like when you go to the mall and it says you are here and you go, I, I know I gotta get to Macy's, but I'm right here by TJ Maxx right now. And, and look at the path to go there. Skills will show you that. Um, and it's specific to your child. It's not going to show you the things that are not age appropriate for your child. It's not going to show you the things that your child already knows how to do. It's going to show you all the things that your child needs, know, needs to know how to do. Well, you're not going to start like, you know, with the one that's the most difficult that's closest here, right? It shows you that there are prerequisites. So before you can do this lesson, your child needs to be able to do this lesson, this is this lesson, this lesson, this lesson, right? So you will do those lessons um, first, right? And then if your child is a fast learner, it'll give you expansion skills. And if your child needs a little bit more specific for a given lesson, it'll take you to the fundamental building blocks that make it easier for them to get that lesson so that they can springboard to the next lesson. It's brilliant. But you start with the assessment. So there's that, 
and then there's the curriculum, which is tailored, right? But there's a whole other section too, which is the behavior intervention plan um, section of it where it looks at behaviors that are challenging and how to deal with those. But if you are just wanting to go to an IEP as a parent and you wanna know what do I have my child work on, right? Um, then you would do the assessment and then you would look at the lessons that your child should be working on, the most basic ones, and you would look at what the IEP benchmark is, which is included for you. Listen, I know people that pay hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for an educational expert to come in and design that for them, and you can do that. You can absolutely do that. I did it for free on skills. Just saying. Um, and you can do that too, and then, you st then you're able to see and what do we need to, you can check off, that's done, that's done, that's done, and then it gives you the next set of ones, right? So that you don't have to go back to the educational consultant. It's just you doing it every year. Uh, and people with skills can help you to walk through that. But one of the lessons, and I'm about out of time now as we got to that, one of the lessons that's in the curricular area is about repairing a conversation. Um, there's a whole area in uh, ABA that um, it, it, it's considered the more experimental end of things and not all behaviorists uh, necessarily uh, work in this area, but CARD does, CARD's cutting edge in this area and that's the thought processes that are inside. Uh, there are some behaviorists that go, well, that's not behavior. Your thoughts are not behavior, and so we don't deal with that. I don't, I, I don't, I just don't even know how to talk to those folks because what you think becomes what you say becomes what you do. I live by that. I, I think that, and there are a bunch of behaviorists that say that what you think, those are inner events. Those, that is behavior. Because if every morning you wake up and you think, I'm a piece of crap, your day is going to go different than every day if you wake up and you think, I'm spectacular your day will go differently, right? Can we all agree on that? Uh, we can't get behaviorists to agree on that. But CARD says that those inner events are important and shape your life and what you do and how you feel about it and how you feel motivated to do it. So um, one of the things that th th they have a whole bunch of lessons that are in the cognition curriculum and the executive functions curriculum um, and in the social language curriculum that have to do with these things. And one of them is repairing a conversation and understanding in social language that when I'm talking to you and you're talking to me that sometimes it doesn't gel right. And there's a whole lesson about recognizing it and it teaches you skills about what to do to repair a conversation. There's even a lesson in ending a conversation. I have been working on that for a few years and I'm not perfect, but I'm working on a lesson and I find that I'm doing better because I'm working on it. Um, I want you to know that a lot of times people go, oh, well, these are just lessons for three, four, and five-year-olds. No, these are lessons for all of us, especially these higher-end inner, uh, you know, the cognition, the executive functions, social language. There's a lot of stuff in there that I, as an adult, have benefited from, from just reading through them. So if you uh, are an individual who's an adult on the spectrum, it might be worth it to read through those, but repairing the conversation helps a lot of things. It's a pretty amazing thing. Tra Traven says we're out of time. I want to thank you guys for being here. Let's go over who is here this week uh, because I was telling you uh, who was on the show that wasn't. So tomorrow we have a best of episode. On Wednesday we do have Dr. Doreen Grampiche. We are not going to be live from Fresno. We've had to postpone that but we're going to be live here. So that will be on Wednesday. On Thursday 
you're all going to want to turn tune in to the live show because we do have Lillian Carrier, Drea from Everything's Going to Be Okay. And I don't know, I would I would assume she's going to be bringing her assistance dog who's featured on the show as well. We'll see on Thursday. And then on Friday, let's talk autism with Shannon and Nancy. We'll have a great show for you then. We're all out of time, but until tomorrow, uh, give your kid, give yourselves, give your kids a hug from me and give yourselves one too. Bye-bye for now.